Welcome to Live Healthy Now with Nicola Mercer, a weekly show helping you get clear on the power of building sustainable, healthy habits to live the happy, strong life you are craving. It's time to stop waiting for happiness and burning yourself out trying to reach it. Each week we'll share insights into the world of health and well-being to help you learn which habits are the right ones for you without the overwhelm and confusion you feel right now. It's time to strip back and lay out the truth about why taking better care of yourself is the answer to the happy life you're striving so hard to create. Hi and welcome to today's episode of Live Healthy Now. I'm back today with a great guest who's going to be talking about something that I think will be familiar to many of you, even though you might not have heard of the term we're going to use to talk about it today. So Hilary Meisner is a nutritionist. She's a coach helping people with insulin resistance disorders and diseases such as pre-diabetes and diabetes, as well as things like the menopause. And she focuses on what we call the blood sugar roller coaster. Now, that might be something not many of you have heard about, but you will definitely have experienced it at some point. Or, as you might hear, as we talk about it, you could be still experiencing it on a pretty regular basis. So let's dive in and talk about this subject, which I really enjoy. So thanks for being with me, Hilary. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. So just to kick off, I'd like to ask our guests to tell us what their most impactful healthy habit is. Ah, There's so many to choose from. (laughs) Um, I would say the most impactful healthy habit for um, from my wheelhouse with insulin resistance is really um, probably daily movement because daily exercise helps increase um, insulin sensitivity, which I know we're going to talk about as the um, podcast goes on. But as we, you know, as we age and we get older, our bodies just become, um, they work against the insulin that we need for survival. So movement and purposeful exercise and incorporating either um, body resistance training or weight training helps to improve that. And um, I guess that would probably be my healthiest habit. Well, I love that because I'm all about movement. And so um, <laughs> to tack on to that, another um, healthy habit that would be um, also insightful would be to hydrate. People don't realize that um, a 2%, you could be dehydrated by 2% and that can lead to feelings of being hungry um, when then you go and you make some not so healthy food choices and our bodies are made up of 60% water. So when that drops down, all functionality can kind of sway off leading us to, um, you know, like I said, think you're hungry or, um, get headaches, feel dizzy, lightheaded, even get a little anxious at times. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I drink a lot of water. I know some people really struggle with that, but that's great. You've set it up in that way. And so yeah. just with regard to living healthy, like how does that play out for you? Why is it so important for you to live healthy, but for also now in your role as a coach to help other people to live healthy? Yeah, that's, you know, that's a great question. Um, For me personally, 
my journey, um, I, as a kid, I was a naturally skinny kid. Nobody really worried about what I ate. Um, except my grandmother who always said I was too skinny and then puberty hit and that just went out the window. Um, but as I got older, I just was, I loved health and fitness. I got all the magazines subscribed to, um, uh, you know, every healthy magazine I could. Um, and then later on in life, I get pregnant and I have gestational diabetes with both of my pregnancies. So nutrition really became a major focus because I couldn't even imagine what unregulated blood sugars would look like for my unborn um, children. I have three kids, two pregnancies. Yes, there are twins. <laughs> and then my youngest of my twins, um, when we were starting, to, well, actually when she was born, there were a whole host of issues with um, feeding, but she was allergic to everything but wheat. So it became such an all-consuming factor in our lives of how do I feed my kid? How do I keep myself on track? That um, I just dove in, you know, headfirst, getting all the information that I could. Then I had the opportunity to attend the Institute for Integrative Nutrition to become a health coach. Um, I also attended Precision Nutrition to become a nutrition coach, and I'm currently in the process of up-leveling my certification to become a nutritional therapy practitioner. Um, because everything we do in life really revolves around food, right? Food is celebration, food is um, fuel, food is comfort, food is memories, food is habit. And all of that correlates into how we're going to feel. And that in turn um, ties into the foundations of health, you know, our gut and our blood sugar regulation. And, um, I feel it's a really important message to get out there and that people are feeling lost. So coaching um, in conjunction with your current medical team is a great way to get your body back to balance and realize um, those results that you've been striving for year after year and setting those goals and, and, and New Year's resolutions. You can stop that because you're finally going to get the results that you've been craving for so long. Yeah, that's an incredible story. And often for many people who are coaches in this sector, it starts from an experience you've had, like yourself, that journey you've been on with struggling in your pregnancies and then with your daughter and just yeah, having to, at the very start of it, learn about it to be able to help her to grow and develop healthily, but also, as you said, to not, you know, become consumed in in a wrong way with it, you know, where, where it wasn't healthy. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's a great story. And my daughter actually has celiac disease. So she's obviously got an autoimmune disease where she can't eat wheat and, and gluten. Um, and so I know from my experience how much that can take over, you know, what, what you have to do as a family to make sure that you are eating healthily. And and that was part of my journey too in, in getting more depth of knowledge around the role that food plays in our overall health. So let's get started then with helping people to understand more about this yeah. blood sugar roller coaster. You know, if you can explain about the role that sugar has, how it's linked to insulin and, and just set that up. Because as I said at the start, I think when we talk about it, people are going to be nodding in agreement, like, yeah, okay, I get <laughs> that now. But it isn't something that most people actually are aware of, and but it's happening all of the time in our bodies, isn't it? 
A hundred percent. And people, you know, it's funny because people, um, they say, well, I don't have diabetes. I don't have a metabolic disorder. But when you start, you know, identifying the symptoms and what are symptoms? Symptoms are messages that our body is telling us, right? So when you start identifying that, people go, oh, wait a minute. No, I have that. That's me. I feel like that. So it could be as simple as feeling groggy in the morning. It could be, you know, feeling lightheaded, feeling foggy, um, getting hangry, getting shaky before meals, that that irritability. Um, it could be feeling sweaty, um, you know, out of the blue. Why do I feel sweaty? Things like that relate to blood sugar. Now, is blood sugar the reason? Possibly. There could be, you know, gut issues going on, our, foundi- our foundations, our bodily systems, they work together. So when one is kind of swaying off, you can think of it like a sailboat. You've got to kind of right the boat to keep you going on your path. And that's what your body tries to do. So it pulls from one area to another. Stress, stress plays a huge role in blood sugar that people don't even realize because our adrenals are these these tiny little glands that when our endocrine system gets so taxed and that's, you know, the insulin of um, balancing the blood sugar, right? And when that system gets so taxed, the adrenals have to jump in. And when they're, they, they don't really want to, but they're the support system. And that just throws the whole body into another stress um, level. You know, you've heard a lot, I'm sure your listeners have heard about cortisol coming up and that's our fight or flight. Um, state and what happens in fight or flight, we need quick energy and our body has the ability to break down um, components in our, in our liver and produce insulin to give us that quick boost of energy so we can flee, we can do all these things that we need to do. Um, So that's kind of where it comes into play. And so the way it works in the body is when you eat, excuse me. So when you eat your body, um, starts to digest carbohydrates in the mouth. Fats and proteins, they start to digest in the stomach. And um, I'm sure where you are and here in the States, we have an epidemic of processed food. I'm not even going to say obesity and malnutrition, but that's a whole nother story for a whole nother podcast, right? Um, There's this whole epidemic that we're eating all this overly processed food and what happens when you eat that or you eat a carb heavy meal and that could be an overabundance of even the good stuff, our body has to produce insulin and the insulin is kind of like a a bus and it drives it to the cells and, and puts them in the bloodstream and we only have about a teaspoon of blood sugar sugar in our blood at any particular time. So this bus has to deliver this excess sugar to our muscle stores, which is our largest stores. And anything that can't fit in our muscle stores, it goes to our fat cells. And the muscle stores, you can think of like a storage container. They can only take in so much. So when that storage container is full, you know, when you put the lid on, if you have like, let's say soup in there, it's going to spill out. But your body doesn't want to let go because that's liquid gold to your body. That's excess energy that we can't release. So it gets stored. And what happens is after that, you know, you eat a high carb meal and then you start to plummet and come down and because all that sugar is now being put away, but you, you've eaten so much and you've gone so low that now you want to spike back up. And that's that like three o'clock, I need my coffee. I'm tired. I want a snack. And then you got to bring yourself back up again. But the ideal um, is just to have a wave, you know, 
just gentle wave, you know, having meals with protein, fat, and fiber in them to keep your body going easily. So you get that burst of energy and you have that excess fuel to keep you going to the next meal. So, you know, we don't have to snack all the time. We can have three meals and still feel full and satiated. Yeah, it, there's so much to unpack there, I think, and start to, to so break down. So much to unpack there, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so let's start with, the, you talked about the carbohydrates beginning their digestive process in your mouth and the protein and fats yep. start to digest in your gut. And I think that, that kind of links to a question I had about blood sugar because certainly before I got into nutrition, my understanding of blood sugar was that it was caused by sugar and carbs have a link to that because quite often a lot of the types of carbs we eat because of the processed food challenges we've got, shall we say, are refined carbs or, or um, very high processed things like baked products, you know, breads and pastries and cakes and biscuits and things like that, which we know have a lot of sugar in them. But not all carbs obviously contain high amounts of sugar and the blood sugar that spikes isn't caused just by sugary foods, is it? No, you know, um, the, the blood, when your blood sugar spikes, it, it's, can it go up when you eat a meal with, um, you know, let's, let's take a sweet potato. Okay. So you have this healthy meal of chicken, cauliflower and sweet potato. Sweet potato is a very healthy carb. It's a complex carb. And that means it's, you know, you want to look for carbs that are, um, that they come from nature. They are in as whole food of a form as you can get them. But if you eat that sweet potato before your body is digesting the chicken and the cauliflower, you're still going to experience a spike. Now, it might not be as straight up as if you just ate a bag of potato chips, but you're still going to go up. So ideally, what you would want to do is in proper portions, of course, enjoy the chicken and the cauliflower first. So your body, number one, starts the um, digestive process. Well, the digestive process actually starts in the brain when we start thinking about food. And you can think about that in the sense of, I'm, you know, like you smell pizza and your mouth starts to water. You're not eating the pizza, but you're smelling it. So your senses are telling your brain, hey, this is something good. And your brain goes, okay, let's let's get this. We like this. Um, so that's how digestion actually starts. So when you um, you know, when you eat the the carbs, right? Your start your brain is starting to digest them. Uh, your brain, your mouth, your amylase in your mouth. So you're starting to digest it in your mouth. But I'm, I'm like going in circles. I'm sorry. So the protein will give your body, your body takes 20 minutes to feel like it's full. So when you start with the fibrous and the protein, your body can start that process, right? So you send the signal to the brain, hey, I'm getting full. So one, you won't overeat on the carb. And two, it's already got some stuff in there and you won't spike as high. So there's something that... Um, people refer to as the like the metabolic campfire. So the carbs you can think of as uh, kindling, right? They're the ones that start the fire. They're the ones that give you that quick boost. Then you have the logs and that's your healthy fats. That's like avocado, olive oil, olives, um, coconut oil, things like that. And then you have your protein and your protein can is like a thick stool. So it can either be used as su to support your body or if you need to, it can be thrown into the fire to keep the fire going. 
but the carbs are really just that that quick burst. So we need probably half the amount that people are consuming or even a quarter of the amount that people are consuming to keep the body going. It's just that they are usually the fun foods that people want more than need. Yeah. And the challenge with those kinds of foods as well is that by the very nature of what they are, they've been created to make us want them, haven't they? They've got those addictive properties, which we crave. So one of the other things you mentioned, and if you're not watching it on YouTube, um, Hillary was drawing kind of that up and down roller coaster type picture, if you imagine that, with great big spikes and then big dips. You know, you're on a roller coaster, you're up and then you're down. So what causes that then? You know, when, when we've eaten something and we've you explained about that insulin, which is released to break down the sugars, to turn them into the glucose, to be stored in muscles or in as fat in our liver um and then you know why is it that we have that roller coaster effect though that then we we need to go back up and then we come down and for some people that literally is a way of eating for possibly 14 16 maybe even more hours of the day isn't it so what happens in over time like as you you were saying that people are eating that way a lot of times what i found is that people are eating that way for years, years and years and years. One, they haven't been taught any different here in the States. We follow, people follow the standard American diet, which is a very carb forward uh, way of eating. Um, and, you know, part of the premise behind it is that, um, well, that's, that, that it, it goes deeper, but to have that many carbs, we don't really need it. Our body does need carbs to survive. Our brain, likes carbs but um you know you could be fat fueled over a sugar burner if you choose so our bodies are adaptive to that but when you have someone that has been eating this way for years carbs over carbs over carbs you mentioned um that we crave that and when you look at the processed carbs right um they're designed by corporations to be something called hyper palatable and what that means is there are scientists in rooms who are sitting developing natural flavors. If you look on the uh, the label of your um, package, it, it could say in some instances, natural flavors and colorings. That doesn't mean that they're juicing an apple and putting apple juice into the product. That means that a scientist is sitting there creating something that tastes like apple flavoring to put in there. There's nothing natural about natural flavors. Um, and when um, you know, when we have these foods that we overeat and we overeat, our bodies kind of become what's called res resistant. So insulin resistance, right? We eat the food, the insulin has to come out. The insulin is that bus and the bus has to take the carbs and sugars break down to what's called glucose in the body. And that's referred to as blood sugar. So the insulin has to take that glucose and as mentioned, put it into its storage places, so a little bit goes in the blood, a little bit goes into the muscles, and then the leftover gets stored as fat. But when your cells are, are they just don't want to talk to the insulin anymore. So more insulin has to come out to push that glucose into the cells. So your body is creating more and more insulin. Your cells are kind of ignoring the crying that's going on, and it's causing a spike because we have too much glucose floating around in our body. 
So eventually it'll come down, but when it does, you have that crash, you have that, um, that hangry feeling, that brain fog, that late afternoon, um, lull and you want to pick that up and you know people go to the local starbucks and they get that coffee as a pick-me-up but that coffee is really a dessert it's you know loaded with the the fake sugars and the flavoring and i mean if you look at the carb content or the calories even of some of these drinks it's astonishing um but that then you get that pick-me-up and you put yourself on that pattern and that's what causes those roller coaster spike. So when you envision a roller coaster, you envision going really up to that high point, crashing down and then coming back up. And that's what happens in the body. Yeah, that's really well explained. And obviously, we know that type two diabetes is becoming an epidemic. It's it's a real danger, isn't it? And it's a life threat for a lot of people who are diagnosed with it you know yes it can be managed but it is something that has so many risks associated with it so you know you you touched on the insulin resistance piece and we know that's something which leads to this type of diabetes and what is it you're seeing people come to you with, you know, when they are either at risk of being diagnosed or have just been diagnosed, like what are those habits that they're struggling with and how do you work with them to change those? Yeah, um, so everybody is different um, in the sense of, you know, we're all got unique, we're as unique as our fingerprints. So um, lifestyle is one thing we look at. Habits is another thing we look at, but we also look at the bio individuality. We look at someone's, um, you know, their genet, not their genetic makeup. I'm not reading labs, but you know, <clears throat> what um, disease has been in your family? And that's not a precursor saying that you are definitely going to fall into, you know, becoming, let's say, diabetes. You're going to be a diabetic, but if your mother had it and your father had it and your grandmother had it there's a good indication that you are on that path. So what can we do to prevent that? Um, You know, uh, um, religious background comes into play as far as cultural foods and things that people aren't willing to um, give up per se. We have to work around that because you have to live your life. You have to enjoy, food is a part of life and you have to enjoy your food. It's a matter of understanding what's gonna work best for your body and how to adjust what you love to fit into your goals and your intentions, right? One of the ways I do that personally is um, anybody that comes to work with me one-on-one fills out a, it's pretty extensive, it's a 300 question uh, nutritional assessment. And what that does is it gives me a picture to help you work on the areas of your foundation, your, of your body that needs support. As I mentioned in the beginning, you know, like maybe your adrenals need support. Maybe your liver needs support. Um, maybe you're not eating enough healthy fats in your diet. And that could be, you know, just adding a couple of it, swapping out margarine for butter can make a big difference or swapping out margarine for olive oil. And that's grass fed butter, by the way. Um, it could be something as simple as adding more water into your diet. It could be that you're so overstressed that we have to work on stress management to bring down the um, 
insulin resistance, because like I said, it plays a role. It could be sleep. There are so many different factors that come into play that, you know, there's so many books out there, right? And people can spend hours Googling what's best for me. How am I going to solve my problem? But, you know, you are, um, you know, you're not fixing your car based on uh, a YouTube video. You're going to someone for help. And that's what coaches, that's what we do. You know, we help you fix it and help you as far as getting um, the tools that you need in order to do it just by versus just watching something and saying, hey, that may be right. That may be right. We take the guesswork out of it for you. Yeah. And I think, you know, you mentioned how, long some people can have been living the way that they are with these bad habits and that's very difficult for most people to change you know a lot of people have information or knowledge about the way they'd like to live or how they should be living you know through things like what what we're sharing here but because of those very strong embed habits that are just part of who you are it's not as easy as just hearing the information and then putting it into practice is it it's really getting clear on how you want to live how you want to feel why that's important and then what's the first thing you have to focus on and then the next thing because quite often it can be very overwhelming can't it and I imagine with the type of people you're working with there are a lot of different factors that come into play food is obviously a huge part of it getting that that Mm -hmm. nutrition piece right and balanced in in the best way possible but then you mentioned in your own habits things like hydration exercise you've touched on sleep and stress all of those things are part of my framework as well because we know that they're all very intrinsically linked and and impact one another don't they um so just I want to touch on weight because I know this is something a lot of people struggle with and this is something I'm very sensitive about talking about. I'm, I, I feel very strongly about it because I think there's a misconception that being overweight equals being unhealthy and being an okay weight or underweight equals being healthy. And in what we're talking about with insulin resistance and blood sugar problems, this doesn't have to be something that is is a symptom of or, or your weight being overweight is a symptom of this is it can be but likewise if you're an okay weight you know you're a healthy BMI or even under you can still be at risk of these kinds of issues because of blood sugar and insulin problems can't you a hundred percent I mean weight being at an overweight BMI can be a precursor to a lot of health issues. So just in general, um, you want, you know, you want to check with your doctor, you want to have, you know, full blood panels done, see where your triglycerides are, where your cholesterol is. Of course, um, your A1C is a marker of, um, you know, where you're teetering on as far as pre-diabetes or diabetes. But one thing I would love to caution anybody listening to and watching is that if you're A1C is around a five, six, and your doctor says, watch it, that's a red flag. And the reason I say that is because five, seven is type two diabetes. Right. So if you notice that your A1C is creeping, you want to not watch it. You want to take action. You want to look at your diet. Uh, One of the first things I do with every single client of mine is require a food and mood journal. And 
it's more than just the food and how you feel. I want to know what your energy level is. I want to know what your bowel movements are. I want to know if you're feeling nauseous. I want to know if you're feeling bloated. And the reason being is because, like I said in the beginning, everything is connected. And it all goes back to your gut. Our gut is a second brain of, a, of the body. And there are over 100 trillion little gut bugs living in there that we want to feed good bacteria to help us you know, support the rest of everything that's going on in our body. Because there's so much happening inside our body on a daily basis, right? Um, so as far as weight goes, everybody's, you know, that that's always like the thing, well, my doctor says I have to lose weight, or I feel like my jeans are tight. And it happens, you know, we, we, we gain weight, we lose weight. Um, but it's not the only factor. So when I work with people, it's usually a happy side effect. And if somebody comes to me and says, I want to lose weight, we are going to work on weight loss. But it all goes back to what are we doing? How is our life, you know, what is going on in our life? And what is our lifestyle like? What are our habits like? So all these things we keep coming back to, it helps to make the determination of your blueprint of how to get those goals that you're seeking. And I truly believe anybody can be, you know, healthy at any size and you can be happy at any size. You don't have to be skinny to be healthy and happy, but you do have to look at what is going on metabolically to be healthy. And when things are off, Mm. you got to look at, well, how do I fix that? So I can live the longest, you know, joyous, vibrant life that I can be living. Yeah, definitely. And I was having a conversation with a lady at the weekend who is a very, I would say, very healthy um, BMI range. She was telling me about some of the struggles she's having with mood swings, with tiredness or energy levels. She's probably approaching the perimenopausal age, so early 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was telling me, if you know, like there's kind of a, an automatic perception when she's sharing the way she feels with other people like oh yeah but you're skinny you're fine or your weight's okay you're fine and she's like but I'm not because I know that I don't feel healthy and I was asking her some questions about what she eats and she's having these very you know low dips in in mid-afternoon she's um solving them or trying to solve them with bars of chocolate and biscuits and things like that and then feeling even worse afterwards and we were chatting about it and just saying how you know it's not about the size that you are yes when somebody is overweight and if they are in that obese category it is going to put a lot of risk on onto your health and you are likely to be struggling with what we're talking about today with with the insulin issues but likewise if you are healthy weight or even underweight if your diet isn't good and it's one that's made up of a lot of carbs and not balanced with these fats and proteins you're talking about you are still at risk from these challenges that insulin causes and you can still be at risk of type 2 diabetes and other conditions that insulin resistance leads to so that that's just something to call out that I think people need to be aware of we're not talking here only about people who are struggling with excess weight. This is for anyone. It's something to be aware of. And certainly, I'm I'm pretty sure in the US, from what I know, like in the UK, this is a real challenge with kids, isn't it? Because so many kids have a diet predominantly made up of high processed foods, 
very few whole foods, the things that are as they were when they come out of the ground or are planned. Um, so, you know, it's something to be aware of for your full family, not just yourself, isn't it? Yeah, and kids, I mean, when it goes to, I don't work with children, but kids want their parent, you're, as a parent, you are your child's superhero. And if we set examples for our children, they will follow. And it's, it's wonderful when, you know, my, one of my daughters is, um, she's in college and she lives in her own apartment and she sends me photos of her meals all the time. And I love it that, you know, she's taking what she's learned here at home because I happen to love to cook and she's taken it to a whole nother level. She loves Asian fusion. So all of her dishes now that she's creating up at school are Asian focused. And I love it that, you know, she's taken everything that she's learned here and applied it to her life and is moving on. And as parents, I think that, you know, yeah, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I've taken the easy way out and, and I have a, I have a, a, a Kentucky fried chicken, which I don't know if you have that there, but it's fried chicken. <laughs> I have a fried chicken love. Um, and I partake at times. You have to include the fun foods in your life. You know, that's important yeah. too. It, it feeds your soul. Um, but there's a time, a place and a way to incorporate it. And for the diabetics to prevent that blood sugar spike from happening because you don't want to stay up um, too long. You, you know, you want that even um, that even wave flow. You don't want a tidal wave hitting you, not a monsoon. Um, but there is a time and a place for it all, but not as a means of um, sustenance. And there's yeah. so many strategies and so many ways to make, quote unquote, fast food at home. That could be healthy, nutritious, support a growing child's body, and you know, keep aligned with the intentions of the parents' goals. Yeah, and what you talked about there with modelling to your kids is something I'm always shouting about, and it's part of my ultimate purpose in my business because I really want to normalise healthy habits and living so that kids grow up knowing the value of themselves, why they should take care of themselves. So that's yeah. amazing that your daughter is now living independently and because of what she's grown up with, she knows that she has to take care of herself. It's a non-negotiable because it helps you to live the best life that you can live. And that's what it's all about. It's not about restriction, denial, feeling that you're being deprived. You know, we all have things, you know, like we've got KFC here, McDonald's. I must say <laughs> McDonald's is not something I would choose to go and eat very often, <laughs> but I do love a nice, nice burger, but I'll choose somewhere slightly better than McDonald's. Um, but I think it's having that awareness, isn't it, of what the food you're eating is going to do when it hits your body, not just from a digestive point of view, but everything, how it affects you mentally as well. And you see, so you're making informed choices. You know, you're choosing, well, I'm going to eat that and I know that that might contain X, Y, Z, which isn't the best, but that's fine because I'm only eating it once every couple of weeks and, you know, whatever that might be. So, yeah, I'm, I'm completely with you there. Um. I just want to step back a little bit when you talked about what kind of leads to that insulin resistance when, um, you know, the the insulin can't cope with constantly being called on because of the frequency of what 
of the types of foods that we're eating which trigger it to be released you know you talked about those buses and storing it and and the stores become full and the insulin the bus slows down so to speak there's fewer of them dispatched and that's when we end up with that that excess glucose in our body like is that one of the biggest things that you think then leads to people gaining weight especially when we think about menopausal or perimenopausal women um well, yeah, insulin resistance can absolutely lead to weight gain. And you can, uh, you know, you can, insulin resistance can can fall into any cell in the body. Your liver can become insulin resistant. Um, your fat cells are, are can become insulin resistant. And when, you know, when that happens, as I said, your body needs to give you more insulin. And that's where the problem kind of like snowballs. When it comes to menopause, um, <clears throat> excuse me, 100%. When women are getting that midlife middle, and we're experiencing, as I like to call it, midlife mayhem, um, with hot flashes and all those other fun things that come along with menopause, that definitely falls into um, a level of insulin resistance and your endocrine system being taxed. And what happens is when we're born, our adrenals, those little glands that we spoke about, they are the ones that produce your sex hormones. So, you know, your estrogen, your testosterone, your progesterone. Um, And then when we enter puberty, our ovaries take over. And as we move back into, um, or as we move forward, I should say, into perimenopause and menopause, that baton gets then backhanded over to the adrenals. So we're not producing as much of these sex hormones our adrenals are now taking over. And if your adrenals have been stressed out, if your endocrine system has been stressed out for so long, you are gonna have these hot flashes. You are gonna be experiencing the menopausal middle and the weight gain. You are gonna be getting irritable out of the blue and not understanding why, because it's all coming back to um, balance. So is there, you know, there's HRT therapy, which is not for everybody as a type one diabetic. It was not something that I was um, allowed to do as per my physicians. Um, And thankfully, I did not have terrible hot flashes. But you have to focus on, um, you know, you have to focus on things that you can work on. And even if you are taking HRT, there are things that are in your control that you can do daily to make you feel better. Um, And when I work with menopausal women, um, we do look at that. We look at the overall lifestyle. We look at what you're eating when you're eating. Um, We look at the stress level because that all changes day to day. We don't sleep well when we enter menopause. So how can we set ourselves up for a better night's sleep? And it might not be perfect, but how can be better than what we're getting? Because when we don't sleep, that also snowballs into this whole blood sugar dysregulation area that we want to improve so we can, again, get those results that we want. Because, you know, starting over every Monday, starting over every week, starting over every month, setting the same New Year's resolutions even, the, it, you can stop this this crazy train. And by doing so, it's focusing on your goals and what you're really willing to take action on. You know, and it doesn't have to be everything at once because as you said before, that's completely overwhelming. So baby steps to get there and know that, you know, 
you didn't get here overnight. You're not going to get to the next step overnight that it takes time for your body to heal from within. And we have that intrinsic ability to do that with food, um, diet and lifestyle choices. Yeah, 100%. So when you talk about taking those steps to change and really focusing on the small steps, what would be the first thing that you would say to someone when it comes to food and their diet, who is listening and thinking, you know, either they're aware of these big crashes, they're aware of constantly having these cravings, especially when they're associated with tiredness during the afternoon or maybe early evening, or they know they're approaching um, maybe being at risk because of their overall health choices or, or something like the perimenopause. What could you do like to get started really easily in the next couple of days? Um, well, a quick thing could be if, you know, if you sat and you kind of, you know, took inventory of yourself, what are three unhealthy foods that you know really are unhealthy foods that you are eating consistently and in, in, in overabundance? And what can you swap them out with? I'm not saying get rid of them. And one tip that I offer is, um, you know, if you're a late night snacker and it's ice cream or cookies or cakes, change your, change your room. You know, if you sit down and watch TV on the same couch, let's say it's adjacent to the kitchen, go into another room if you still want to watch TV. Kind of snap the habit a little bit. If you feel that you can't give up your late night chocolate and you go for, you know, let's say a Hershey bar, which is milk chocolate, which has a ton of excess sugar in it, swap that out for a 70 to 80% chocolate bar and have one or two squares and see if that satisfies you. Because there's no added sugar, it's lower in calorie and carb. You're still feeding that need, but it's a baby step. You don't have to go all in and like dive in head first and take all these tips, tricks, tools, and strategies, because what will happen is you'll end up completely overwhelmed, going off track and doing that starting over or feeling like you failed and you didn't fail. There is no failure. You are just learning how to navigate this next step in life. And if somebody is teetering on that um, you know, that A1C that is approaching pre-diabetes or diabetes, I would urge you, urge you, urge you to take action on your diet first and look at the carbs. And um, if your doctor hasn't requested it or, or mentioned it, ask for a glucose monitor and test your blood sugars post-meal, pre-meal, and see where your blood sugars are spiking to so you can make adjustments. And of course, you know, there are millions of coaches, dietitians, nutritionists out there who can help you navigate this, this world of um, nutrition and lifestyle. Oh, brilliant. That's such good advice. And I like that idea of just thinking about what three things you might be eating on a regular basis that you know deep down and not doing you any favors you know that are not the best things yeah. you, you could be having on a regular basis anyway like we said you know there's no need to eliminate them a hundred percent but maybe just not having them all of the time um, and finally I just want to ask a little bit more about carbs when you're talking there about you know looking at the carbs that you eat just to because a lot of people do actually struggle with being really clear about carbs and what are good carbs and and you know, there's so many different types, isn't there, with the refined, the unrefined, then, you know, trying to have whole wheat, making sure we get fiber in our diets as well. So 
what kinds of things do people really need to not be eaten on a regular basis when it comes to the carbohydrates? I would say um, to that question, focus on a whole food first approach. Right. So the way to think about that is nobody is overeating a bag of apples, but they can easily overeat a bag of chips, right? Yeah. And again, that goes back to that hyperpalatability and the design and that that salt or that sweet, you know, however you're eating or, or the bag of cookies, you know, it's like, oh, it's so good. I have to have more than one. But an apple will satiate you. An apple will give you the fiber and an and apple will also give you the minerals, which are these like powerhouses that support the macronutrients, which are your protein and your fat and your carbs to help your body work because everything in the body needs these little powerhouses, these minerals. It's that's, that's um, copper, iodine, chromium, things like that, zinc, magnesium. So when you focus on a whole food first approach, um, you kind of give your body what it's looking for. So you're not going to be as hungry because your body feels good. Your body feels um, satiated. You know, it, it stays, you stay fuller longer. And then once you get into a groove and a habit and, and, and you realize how, um, you know, I recently had a client say to me yesterday that she didn't realize that three meals a day can actually satisfy her, that she doesn't need to snack all day because she was snacking. She woke up, she had her breakfast, she snacked, then she had her lunch, then she snacked, then she had her dinner, then she snacked and snacked. So she couldn't take weight off because she was eating far more calories than she was expending in energy. And your body, like I said, they want to, it wants to hang on to it because even though we've evolved so much, our body still needs to prepare for a, you know, a fight or flight. Like we're going to be chased by a giant dinosaur. We've got to have that quick energy available. And as much as I can keep, I'm going to keep. But in reality, you know, if it flew, grew, swam, or ran, that should be your first approach. And then you save some room for the fun stuff, you know, yeah. with the holidays coming up and whatnot. You know, you've got to eat your 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 sweet treats, but in moderation and in proper portion sizes for your goals and your body. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Hilary. And I think the key message there is have a balance between the carbs, the good fats, and the protein. Try and understand what each of those three things are and what I like to say to people as well is maybe you know start off with one recipe you can cook from scratch and get good at doing that especially if you're a beginner in the kitchen you know and have that as one of your kind of family go-to meals then you add another one you know and don't try to constantly have variety when you are starting out and you know you may be trying to make a big shift from the way you eat shop and cook to being healthier as we're talking about so just try to find you know some new fruits or vegetables a new recipe and start with one meal and then add on another maybe a couple of weeks later once you've nailed that one and you know you enjoy it and on the snacking I absolutely like totally get that because for many many years I went to diet like like weight loss clubs I was always trying to lose weight you know stepping on those scales every week and you know going home Mm -hmm. and having a a treat meal because I wasn't being weighed for another seven days and I I religiously (laughs) snacked every day every morning every afternoon it was like you know you could set the alarm by when I would suddenly feel ready for a snack and probably about 
seven years ago, I think now, I completely changed the way that I ate and exercised. And yeah, I just felt full. People would say to me at work, God, how can you resist those cakes or biscuits or, you know, whatever goodies were brought into the office or on a night out or something? And I'd say, it's not about resisting, it's just that I don't need it. I'm full. I haven't ever experienced being like this, but now the way that I cook... And I'd, I did used to cook from scratch a lot of the time, but I was eating the wrong types of foods and I was eating a lot of very low fat, low sugar diet type product that wasn't satisfying, fulfilling, providing, you know, those um, essential nutrients and vitamins and the fiber that we need. Whereas when I switched that, it actually became much easier in terms of food prep and, and making meals. But I was just so satisfied because I was eating incredible food that I was really enjoying and just not having that need to snack. And I am still like that now, very, very infrequently on an afternoon. I might have a snack at maybe three, four o'clock, but I'll have something like a bag of of almonds or um, sometimes a protein shake, something like that, an apple with some um, almond butter on it. But I just don't have that, you know, I, I, I don't need to think about snacking because it's just no longer part of my regular diet. Um, and so I think, yeah, that that's something to think about if you are listening is, you know, what habits have you got in place that actually are more habitual than from a point of needing to do them because you are hungry or you are needing that energy from things like snacks or certain types of foods? Because a lot of how we eat, as you started with right at the beginning, comes back to just the way we've been brought up and how we've adopted those habits and in, in, into our lifestyle and families as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and the question becomes, you know, is snacking something that you need? Because some diabetics do need a snack in between to keep their blood sugar stable based on medications or is snacking a want? And yeah. if you are hungry, you can eat a piece of protein. You can eat some vegetables. It doesn't have to be the cookies, the cakes, the the sweet treats to satiate you. And if you know, if 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 you are that hungry, feed your body what it needs. Yeah, and I think also then look at the meal you've had last, and what was in that meal. Did you have everything that you needed? Did you get enough protein? And certainly, when we talk about perimenopause and menopause, those types you know of, of women in that season of their life need to make sure that they are definitely getting enough protein in the diet as well um so i've just got a few just a quick little question and um, this or that for you to wrap up hillary before you tell everyone where they can reach you so it's just with regard to which would be your preferred healthy habit out of a few um to choose from so are you a walker or a runner I used to be a runner, um, but it got too hard on my knees. So I am a walker. I walk daily. I have my furry son. I have a seven-year-old Wheaton Terrier who is my walking buddy. And we go out for several walks. Well, we try to do several walks a day, but we at least get one good walk in a day. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Um, I think I'll know the answer to this one. Water or juice? (laughs) Water. Water, water, water. And if you don't like the taste of water, infuse it with some um, herbs. Use vegetables like cucumber. uh, Throw in some blueberries and basil. Flavor your water. 
bicarbonated water if you miss the bubbles. Um, but yes, water, water, water. <laughs> yeah, definitely me too. A morning or a bedtime routine? <clears throat> oh, that's a tough one. I'm kind of, if I had to pick one, I'd probably go with bedtime to support healthy sleep. Yeah. Okay, great. And what about yeah. time on your own or time with others? Mm, I guess that would be who the others are. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, that's a tough one too, you know, because there are some times I feel that I need that self-care alone time. But I'm a people person and I love going out with my friends. I love being around people. I love it when my kids are home and I have a full crazy oh. house and all the cousins come over. Um, so I guess it, 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 for me, that would be hard to choose. Yeah, no, that's fine. I get that. And then what about <laughs> um, meditating or journaling if you need that bit of pause and, and downtime? Yeah, meditating. I, you know, I think journaling absolutely has its place. Um, I encourage everybody to food journal. And when people come to work with me in the beginning, we have to have a food journal. Um, and my children, uh, my sister, even they're very big journalers. I find for myself taking that um, couple of minutes just to find my space and kind of think about nothing. I kind of for me, I visualize being at the beach, feeling the warm sun on my skin and hearing the ocean to kind of enact that, um, you know, that relaxation feeling in my body. Yeah. And uh, the parasympathetic nerve system to calm everything down. Mm, yeah, that's nice. I sometimes do a, a visualization exercise as well using the beach. I think it's one that a lot of people can connect with you know we can dream about feeling that sun on our skin and just the the waves gently lapping onto the sands that that sounds perfect yeah so yeah Hilary do you want to let everyone know where they can connect with you and find out more about you if this is something that you know they think could be of more help to them and their health Sure. Um, I'd love to. Thank you. Um, so I am on Facebook and Instagram at the Meisner Method. Um, both is the same handle in both places. My website is themeisnermethod.com. Um, and yeah, if anybody would love to follow me, uh, join my private Facebook group, we'd happy to have, be happy to have you. There are tons of recipes in my Facebook group. I post them weekly. Um, I post about, I post different things on the public, um, uh, forums than I do on, in the Facebook group, because the Facebook group is kind of like the backyard where the party's happening. And if you are raising your hand to join, you deserve to get the special treatment. Yeah. Um, so there's coaching topics. I do free challenges. Uh, we just did in October, we did a Croctober challenge to break out your instant pot, break out your slow cooker and put some new, as you were talking about new meals. So put some new meals into your recipe rotation that, you know, would excite you everything from like desserts to breakfast that you can make in these, you know, quick uh, kitchen appliances. Yeah. Um, and yeah, those are the best ways to find me. 
Brilliant. Oh, and I love the slow cooker. So I might have to check some of those recipes out. And I think I need to get maybe a couple of your daughter's Asian fusion ones because I do really like to cook Asian food as well. I love all of the spices, you know, the flavours and the the chilli and so on there. That's a big favourite for me. Yeah. And I know you've got a free guide as well. I'll send you the miso salmon. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I love salmon and love miso as well. (laughs) Um, so I'll pop all of the links to reach Hillary and connect with her, join the Facebook group if you would like to get your hands on some of these incredible recipes. And she's got a free guide as well to get you started on looking at your healthy eating habits and, and making some of the changes that we've talked about today. So thanks so much, Hillary. It's been really interesting. And I'm, I know for sure, whatever stage, you know, someone's at in their health journey, this will add value because having this knowledge about what you eat and what it's doing when you eat any types of food, you know, once you've swallowed it and it it enters the system, this is, you know, just so valuable to improve your overall health and happiness. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thanks, Hilary. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please remember to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. It would be really appreciated if you could leave a rating and review so other people can find us and build their own healthy, happy life. You can follow Life Now Coaching on all social media platforms and visit our website at lifenow.uk. Links are in the show description. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation and can't wait to see you again next week for more tips on living healthy and happy right now. Take care.